Today, our message comes to us from Romans chapter 11. So excited to share with you what God has shared with me today. Paul starts off, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how unscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given to Him a gift that He might be repaid? From Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is my favorite verse in all of Scripture. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. As we've been walking through the book of Romans and Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he's been sharing this whole idea that we are made right with God, that our faith is credited, it's counted to us as our righteousness. And a part of this being made right with God is he makes us right for a purpose, that each and every one of us has a very unique, very special calling from God. That we all, every one of us, have something very important, a very important part to play in this great commission, in this making disciples, in awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. All of us are important. There is no role that is unimportant. One of the things that drives home that point to me is the movie Jumanji, right? In, in Robin Williams a long, long time ago uh, was this main character that when he, he found himself playing this board game and the board game sucked him in to the game and he was playing the game for real. There's remake done uh, that recently that uh, this is not a board game, it's a video game and your avatar becomes your person and this avatar that you become uh, has all kinds of strengths and weaknesses. And there's this one absolutely lousy character named Shelley Oberon. And Shelley Oberon is, his weakness is everything. But he's one very important strength. His strength is that he's a cartographer, which means he can read maps. He's the only one in the group who can read the map and the map is incredibly important to be able to navigate your way through to the end of the game successfully. In fact, all of the players figure this out that everybody has different complementary gifts that must all work together in harmony in order for this mission to be successful, in order to win the game and be able to return home safely. We as the church are exactly the same. 
that God has equipped each and every one of us individually and uniquely so that we must all together, leaving nobody out, all together work together for the sake of the Great Commission, for the world put right, the kingdom of God to come. That nobody is exempt from that. There's not a single person in this room that is so weak, that has no gifting from God, that they can just say, okay, I'm going to step back and let all of the other really great characters in this Christian walk live out this great commission, and I'm just going to kind of passively watch it happen in front of me. But if you do not play the part that God has given you to play in this, this very unique right part, the mission cannot succeed. Your part is incredibly important to play, the right part. We should always remember that these giftings that we have are gifts from God. They're not something that we have earned. They're not something that we have developed. Now, God has given them to us, and we have the responsibility as stewards of those gifts to practice them, to hone them, to get them better and better by His power and His strength. But we can't take pride in them because they are His. Those those are His gifts that He's gifted to us. And we should always remember this. Paul goes through a list of some of those gifts, and and it starts with the gift of prophecy. And maybe sometimes if you think of prophecy, you think of somebody who tells the future, but that's not really the job of a prophet. The job of a prophet is to speak God's message to people, to speak His words. Now, sometimes in the Old Testament, the prophets would talk about what would happen if you don't do these things, God will do this. But we've been given this job, every single one of us, in a broad sense, all of us are prophets, given this message of the gospel and given it to be delivered to the hurting and the broken in this world, the lost, that they might know the riches of the gospel. Every single one of us are called to that task on a broad sense. Now, in a narrow sense, sometimes God selects individuals and people and men and women into full-time church work, right? To be pastors and teachers and, and deaconesses. Deaconai, I was corrected. It's deaconai is the plural for deaconess. And all of these different facets of people who work full-time in church work, directors of family ministry include those. And there's a lot of young people in this room today. And young people, I'm talking to you directly right now. But there are some of you that God is tapping on the shoulder to say, I want you to be a pastor, to be a teacher, to be a DCE, to be a deaconess, a director of family life ministry. I want you to serve in the church. And so young people, I want you to hear that message right now, loud and clear. God needs you. Pastor Sam was sharing it. I heard it at the 8 o'clock service today that in his graduating class from seminary, both in St. Louis and together with Fort Wayne, combined together, there were just around 60 graduates, 60 new pastors going out to receive a call. There were over 500 churches calling them. The laborers are few and the harvest is ready. Now, let's expand that scope from our young people in this room. There's some people who are deliberating a change in their career. Maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder that says, I have a second career for you. I have a a third or fourth or fifth career in mind for you to serve me full time. 
Listen to that call. Don't ignore it. Bad things happen when you ignore God's call. Ask Jonah. You don't want three days in a stinky fish. God is calling somebody in here today. Paul says some are called to be prophets, some are called to be teachers. And a teacher is somebody who who expresses the truths of God in such a way that other people can understand it and apply it to their life. They make it real. That's a teacher. Paul says there's some for service, and these serving people are, are not just people who serve out of convenience or ease or but they sacrifice in their service. They, they change their lifestyle in order to benefit somebody else's. Paul says that some are encouragers. The, the word in our text today said, said uh, exhortation, and sometimes exhortation sounds kind of negative, like, I'm going to exhort you to stop doing that. I'm going to exhort you to stop doing that. This text is more of this encouraging word. That some of you are called to be encouragers. Now, this world is full, full, full of discouragers, right? People who will critique you, put you down, who will judge you. God says, some of you, I need that encouraging voice spoken in today's society. Especially among other believers, I need you to look at one another and build each other up when you see someone struggling. I want you to share an encouraging word when you see somebody doing something amazing for my kingdom. Be specific with that encouragement. That is so incredibly vital in this life. Paul says, some of you have this gift of giving. And this giving is so generous that it's unusually generous in its giving. Some are called to leadership, and they're zealous in their leadership. They are passionate about what they are leading, and they have this ability to circle people around this idea of the Great Commission and to lead people forward in boldness to carry that mission out. And some people are given this gift of mercy this heart that breaks for those who are hurting, for those who are lonely, who are in prison, who are trapped in addiction, who are lost and lonely. And Paul says this is an amazing, amazing heart that goes after those who are hurting with love and healing. Now, it's important to remember that in this list that Paul provides, it's not an exhaustive list. It's just a list of examples. There are so many other gifts that God pours out into our lives. And and as you consider um, what it is that is your unique calling, your unique part, the right part that God has given you in the middle of this great commission, awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ, there's three things that I want you to consider. For those of you who have those note pages, this is a time if you haven't already started taking incredible notes on the beautiful words that are coming out of my mouth, this is the time to start. I want you to write these three questions down. What do you love doing? What do you love doing? Like it is your passion. Like you live for this. What do you love doing? That's the first question. Second question. Second question is this. What are you good at? Like what is God giving you that just comes easy for you? That's your skill. That's your experience. What are you good at? I don't buy into this lie that you're not good at anything. That's that's false. 
You are passionate about something and you are good at something. Here's the third question. What problem in this world bugs you, that, that gnaws at you, that you wake up mad about, or that you wake up brokenhearted over? What is a problem in this world that just speaks to you? That's your problem. And a piece of God's helping you discern what is your unique calling in this life, in this Christian walk, as you take a look at that problem that irritates you, that bugs you, that breaks your heart, and then you take together the answers of your first two questions, what are you passionate about? What are you good at doing? And be creative in applying a solution a gospel-centered solution to that problem. That is your unique, one and only calling in life. That is your right part of carrying out this great commission. That is what only you, only you can do. I can't do it. I have my own problem. I have my own gifting. I have my own passion. You have to do your part. You have to do your part. And Paul tells you how. Paul tells you how this has to be done. And there's two characteristics that Paul says, when you do this, when you live this out in your life, there are two characteristics that you're going to have. Before I get to those two characteristics, God has to make a change in you. Right, because it is so easy, and my favorite verse is, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, right? That is so easy to do, to be conformed to this world. The way that you are conformed to this world, here's the secret, be yourself. <laughs> That's it. Just be you. The world will do all the heavy lifting. The world will tell you that you can do exactly what it is that you want to do. That in order to get along, I want you to be exactly like a chameleon. Just blend in on the outside to everything else going on around you. Just be the same as the rest of the world. Say the same things. Believe the same things. Do the same things that the world does, and you will just easily blend in. Life will be a lot easier. I promise you that. Life will be easier. God doesn't know what's best for you. You know what's best for you. Do what makes you happy. That's the lie of this world. That's conforming to this world. And when you conform to this world, you will conform to brokenness in your life and be bitterly disappointed, unfulfilled, broken. Because that's what the world looks like. But Paul says, don't be conformed to the images of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God wants to change your mind about this whole life thing. God wants to change your heart for things that his heart pursues. And this happens from the inside out. God changes our hearts. He changes our minds and transforms us. He changes us to be less and less like the pattern of this world and more and more Christ-like. He transforms. And as he transforms, there's two characteristics that will be a part of your right part in the mission of God. The first characteristic that he brings into your life is sacrifice. That you have to sacrifice. Paul says, we're supposed to be a living sacrifice, 
a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, they had plenty of dead sacrifices. Dead sacrifices were easy. You take a sacrifice, you put it on the altar of God, and it's dead. It can't move away. It's there. You put a living sacrifice on the altar of God, and because of our broken nature, because we're alive, we like to scamper right off of it and do our own thing and live our own life. Now I've got to get back up here. Yeah, I'm not as limber as I used to be. That living sacrifice loves to just get back off the altar and go, well, I've sacrificed enough. I need some more me time now. God didn't create us to need me time. I guarantee you that if you are, if you are tired, if you feel like life is built up on you, what you don't need is more me time. I, I know it can feel so tempting to just go, I need to recharge. I'm just going to plop my, my butt on the sofa. I'm going to turn on Netflix, and I'm just going to veg. I know that temptation. But I can guarantee you that by doing so, you will not feel rested at the end. You know why you won't feel rested? Because that's me time, and me time will never fill you up. What fills you up is God time. Remember, Jesus says, come to me. If you are weary, if you are heavy laden, then I will give you rest. You see, what we need more in this Christian life is less me time and more God time. To spend time soaking in the Word of God. More time praying through the Word of God. More time talking about the Word of God with one another. I promise you, more God time recharges, refreshes, renews who you are. And so we say, I sacrifice my life, God. I sacrifice what it is that I want to do. I sacrifice the choices that I want to make for your will. It's just like Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but your will be done. A living sacrifice says, God, I want to live today for you. What you want me to do today, what do you have planned? Let me live out your will in my life. Let me pursue your will. Not my will, but your will be done. This living sacrifice, and we do it sacrificially. That means that it's not convenient, that it changes our lifestyle in order to accomplish this mission. That's the first characteristic, is that, that we do this sacrificially. The second is that we do it humbly. That's a hard one for me. I'm the only one in this room I know who struggles with pride. You know, I long so much to hear my dad say to me, Ty, I'm proud of you. That was amazing. Right? And, and it's not bad to want that to happen. It's not bad to want to hear those things. But when you need to hear those things, when your happiness, when your joy is based on that, when you start doing those things only for that, and I find myself sometimes even doing that in ministry, right? Doing good things, doing amazing things for the kingdom of God so that, so that you look at me and go, wow, I want to be like Tig. I'm pretty sure no one ever says that. 
But right, we, we like to do things to please man, not to please God. And when I find myself slipping into that pride, man, I, I got to go back to God on my knees in confession. God, take my pride away. I, I learned this the hard way, that if you dwell in your pride, when God humbles you, it's painful. It is so much easier to humble yourself rather than to have God do it for you. At least it is for me. So Paul says you have to live this out in humility to know that who you are, the gifts you have, the passions you have, you have them because God gave them to you. And humility isn't this this sense of, of beating yourself up. That's not humility. Humility is understanding the right relationship you have with God. You compare yourself to God and know you can't stand up to Him. You compare yourself to others and you say, I'm not, I'm not gonna compare myself to other people. I'm gonna lift other people up. As you go about your specific right part in the ministry of God, Building up the kingdom of God, the world put right, awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ to do so with these two things in mind, sacrifice and humility. That's the how. And then we dig into the why. Why do we do these things? Why do we take part in the Great Commission? And the wrong answer is this. The wrong answer is fear. Right? Too many times in my own life, I've done things out of fear of what God will do if I don't do it. Or fear of what will happen if other people see and judge. And when we do things out of fear, uh, and if you're doing things out of fear, I want you to know these are some of the markers of that. When you have obedience out of fear, when you follow God after fear, it's short-lived. When you follow God out of fear, and bad things sometimes happen in life, You look at those things and say, it's because I didn't do good enough that these bad things are happening to me. It's because I failed in this level that God is punishing me. Listen carefully. After the sacrifice of Christ, there is no more punishment for your sin. For those who have faith in him, God never has any more punishment to give out because he burned it all on the cross. Bad things happen in this world because this world is broken. But God wants you to be a part of the solution. The reason why we do this, Paul lists out in the last part of the text today. And he talks about this goodness and greatness of God, that it's unfathomable. Like you can't even understand how depth the depth of what he is doing. This is it. He starts with with this verse. Verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge. The depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment. How inscrutable his ways. You see, Paul is overwhelmed by emotion of the gospel of the vast capacity for God to love him so intensely, so deeply that he would send his only son to suffer and die for him. Paul says, how vast, how deep 
are the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. The riches of God is His grace, His vast riches that He pours and floods into your life more than you could ever need or use. It is enough. Paul says, how vast, how deep is His wisdom? And the ridiculous wisdom of God is so intense that He is, on one hand, completely sovereign, able to work all things according to His plan, and allows us this goofy rule of free will, that we just mess it all up. But in His incredible sovereignty, He takes even these incredibly horrible mess-ups and works them to the good of His will. Who does that? Our God does. How deep is His wisdom? And how deep, how rich is his, his knowledge, right? He knows, he knows every follicle of hair's number on your head. And for some of you, it's easy. <laughs> it's a big round number. But he knows. He knows the pains in your hearts. He knows the joys that you have. He knows the gifts He's given you. He knows the passions He's planted, He planted into your heart. He knows the problems of this world that bug you, that you long to be different. He has vast knowledge, and this knowledge and this wisdom and this riches is so deep that we don't even see the end of the depth. We can't even see it, much less comprehend it. That's why. That's why when God says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching them, I will be with you always, every step of the way. Go into central Florida, awaken hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ in the way that only you can, with your gifts, with your passion, bringing gospel healing to the problem that bothers you the most. And you do that with humility and with sacrifice and with the power of God. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, just like Paul, we are in awe of the depth of your riches of your wisdom, of your knowledge. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would lead and guide the hearts and minds in this room today to to know what it is that they are passionate about, to know the gifts that you've poured into them and entrusted to them, that they would consider the problem of brokenness in this world, the specific issue that bothers them, that you would reveal to them how they can creatively use their passions and their gifts to bring a gospel solution to that brokenness. Father, we thank you for the solution of brokenness that you've brought to us. We thank you for Christ, for his life and his love that brings healing the deepest parts of ourself. Father, for this day, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now this week, for your weekly awakening, grab your your pages that already are full of the copious notes that you took while you were listening to my amazing words. And the bottom two lines, weekly awakening, I want you to write this statement down. What is my part in the mission of the church? How is God, let's write this down, how is God leading you into a sacrificial part of his church? The words are on the screen. We learned our lesson from last week. We gave them to you, expected you to write them down, and we gave them to you too fast because we talk really fast. So now they're up on the screen. So write these words down. How is God leading you into a sacrificial part of his church? And just as a reminder, this is what you use this question for. As you go home today and eat lunch as a family or brunch or dinner or the time that you spend together, ask this question around the table. Moms and dads, if your young people have a hard time flushing out what they're good at, pour out the compliments. Be that encourager today. Tell them what they are good at, what you see them being good at. Talk about what they're passionate about. Talk about the problems in this world. Brainstorm ways that you can put those pieces together to build up the kingdom of God. You can use the same question as you gather together with other groups around church as you come together. If you come together playing pickleball, ask this question at the beginning of pickleball. If you come together as a small group someplace either here or at your home or somebody else's home during the course of this week, use this question to get things started in the evening. And as you do that, these questions, as you have these conversations, God and the Holy Spirit will grow your spiritual formation through these conversations.